morning again. Today we are in Romans chapter 2. And if you want to follow along that, I would suggest following along in your Bibles. Um, We are starting at verse 17 and going through verse 24. So I will read this to open it up. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in your relation to God and know his will and determine what is best because you are instructed in the law, and if you are sure that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then that teach others, will you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You that forbid forbid adultery. Do you commit adultery? You that abhor idols, do you rob temples? You that boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for your word to us. God, we want to, we want to hear from you right now. We want to know you. We want to We want to know you more. God, please open this up to us. Help us just hear whatever you want to reveal to us now. God, give me me the right words. Fill in the blanks. God, this is your time. We, We want to know you. Amen. All right, so... I will uh, have you all know that I feel a little bit qualified to uh, be speaking this morning, mostly just because I happen to be racially Jewish. I'm not really Jewish in any way aside from racially Jewish, but, um, but I mean, my grandmother was kicked out of Germany in the 30s because she was, or she left purposefully <laughs> so that she didn't die. Um, so I'm Jewish enough for Hitler to want to kill my family. So I feel okay you know, preaching on the Jews and preaching this huge criticism of the Jews. So I I feel somewhat qualified by that. Um, So basically all we're going to do this morning, we're going to just look at what the text is saying and then see what it might be specifically saying to us. Um, And because I don't get to be here all the time, um, I had to do a little bit of background research to figure out a little bit about Romans um, to catch up with all of you guys. So I thought maybe some of this might be pertinent for today, so I figured I'd just share this little background bit. Um, so it seems that the speculation is, um, among scholars, that the church in Rome was founded by Jews who were likely um, present in Jerusalem when Peter was preaching at Pentecost. And then they took this message of Jesus as Messiah back to Rome with them, and they founded the church in Rome. And this church very quickly probably grew with um, Gentiles who had likely already been uh, in synagogue with these Jews. And so um, so that was the beginning of the church. And then uh, through one of the emperors wound up kicking all of the Jews out of, out of Rome very early on. And so eventually, around the time that Romans was written... All of these uh, Jews are allowed back into Rome now, but now they've come back to this church that is dominated by Gentiles. And so you can imagine that there was likely a lot of tension going on. They had started this church, and now they've come back, and they're the minority. 
and they have to kind of learn to get along, learn to play nice. And so as we're reading this, it's probably in the middle of just these awkward tensions in the church. Um, And so all of what you guys have talked about um, up till now, God's been kind of building up to this passage where he's speaking to these Jews who kind of think they're all that. Um, These ones who have the circumcision, who have the law, um, and think that because of those things that they're going to be all set. And the law, um, the law was the contract part of God's covenant. God chose the Jews way back in Genesis with Abraham. He chose them. They were his special people. They were supposed to be the ones who were going to, through following this law, through being God's chosen people, they were supposed to pour out on the world. They were, they were going to be absolutely amazing and show the world, show everyone else, show all of the Gentiles the amazingness of God. And so these are the people that Paul is talking to here. So why don't we just run through this text really quick here. So in verse 17, it starts out by saying, but if you call yourself a Jew, so very general introduction, but then he goes more specific. He says, and rely on the law. Now that word rely, uh, rely on, it, it's kind of, in the Greek, it means to rest on the law, kind of implying that the people he's talking to now are putting all their hope in the law, all of their hope on this uh, contract of the covenant, this promise that that's what they have in God. So, um, yeah, they're putting all of their trust of salvation on that. Um, and then continuing on in verse 17, and boast of your relation to God. Um, so uh, their relation to God, I mean, they're chosen people. They have a good relation with God. Like, they, they should be proud of that. Verse 18, and know his will. In the Greek there, it's know the will. Know the will. The will to which all other wills is relative. So they know the will, and because they know the will, they can determine what is best. They, they have the ability to discern what is really, really excellent above, above and beyond everything else uh, because you are instructed in the law. Now, instructed in the law, these Jews... If they're growing, growing up in Jewish culture, they live, eat, and breathe the law. This is life for them. It's the heart of worship for them. It's what they are educated in. They are just in the law. And it's good because it's God's words. It's God's revelation to them. It's really wonderful that they are in it so much. So verse 19. And if you are sure that you are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. Now, this verse it's kind of um, citing some scriptures from the Old Testament. It should be stirring some imagery that these Jews should know. Um, if we look at, here it is, Isaiah chapter 42, uh, verses 6 and 7, it says, I, the Lord, you guys don't have to turn there, I can just read it. Uh, but I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Isaiah 49.6 also says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and to bring back those, uh, those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. 
So they weren't supposed to be, they had the law, they have this amazing revelation of God, but they aren't supposed to be hoarding it. They aren't supposed to be just keeping it for themselves and making, you know, yay, Jewishness, we're going to be Jewish altogether. No, they're supposed to be pouring it out on the world. It's supposed to be bringing light to everyone through them. So carrying on in verse 20, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of children. That's probably implying that they are supposed to be the spiritually mature who are teaching, teaching those who are less mature. They are supposed to be these ones that will, um, again, be bringing Gentiles in and teaching them from other cultures, other religions, teaching them what it means to follow God. And then at the end of verse 20, it says, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Yes, yes, they had the the embodiment of knowledge and truth. It's amazing. They had this incredible thing. That's absolutely amazing. The words of God are the embodiment of knowledge and truth. And they had it. What a great gift. That's incredible. But then in verse 21, he flips it on them. He says, okay, all, yes, you have all of these great promises, these great roles. God has chosen you. You have the embodiment of knowledge and truth. Verse 21, you then that teach others... Will you not teach yourself? Oh, what? What? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, dear. He, he went there. Oh, dear. We, we don't like to talk about this part. Um, you then that teach others, will you not teach yourself? Just, oh, you really feel the gut punch there. Like, uh-oh, this isn't good. Um, while you preach against stealing, do you steal? You that forbid adultery, do you commit adultery? All of these you, you, you. It's very specific, like, we hear that, we think, oh, you know, personal sin, yes, who can stand against knowing the sight of God, like the sight of God in our hearts, yes, yes, our intentions are wrong. Zach did a brilliant job a few weeks ago talking about how we all sin all the time, and that is very true, but when Paul is talking here, he's much more likely talking about the nation of Israel that had not lived up to the law, um, so when he's talking about you that preach against, or you while you preach against stealing, do you steal? You that forbid adultery, do you commit adultery? They're looking at, oh no, it's true. We as Jews, our nation, yes, we we do steal, and yes, David, our hero, he committed adultery, and it's there's other people within our community that are continuing to commit adultery. Rabbis, there were rabbis in Paul's day that were bemoaning the state of the world, that were saying, yes, murder is up, adultery is up, stealing is up, all of these things. And so it was, it was very likely that this is a very real active criticism. Um, you that abhor idols, do you rob temples? Uh, it, I was reading about this a little bit. It seems that, um, that what was going on there was that the Jews, I mean, they, they honor Yahweh, and he is the one God. But, and so they look down on all of these other idols, these other temples, like, why, why should we respect that? But because they, they looked down on them, they were like, oh, well, whatever happens to be in this temple, fair game, right? Because this God doesn't matter. And they didn't think about the hypocrisy of their actions there, that they are giving value. If they go in and steal that stuff, they're giving value to it. They're giving value to this false god if they're going in and stealing from him. And so <laughs> Paul is totally punching holes in all of their superior attitude that they have. 
Verse 23, you that boast in the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? You can just, oh, stab in the heart. They would have said, Yahweh is the best. We love Yahweh. We honor Yahweh in everything we do. We, we follow him and him alone. But he says, you as a nation, you don't, you don't, if you honored him, you would have kept the law, but you haven't kept the law. If you kept the law, we wouldn't have this problem. We wouldn't, you know, the exile wouldn't have happened. You would have Jewish leaders on the throne now that you, in our Jewish nation would be ruled by Jews. Instead, you know, now Rome is the latest conqueror that's come on through. You know, you dishonor God because you broke the law. The covenant that God made with you, yeah, you, you've broken it. Verse 24, for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of problematic. Um, yeah, he's again citing various prophets there. Um, from Ezekiel 36, verse 23, it says, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Um, in that passage, it's actually significantly longer than that. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he just keeps saying over and over again, my holy name, which you profaned, my holy name, which you profaned, like over and over and over again, like, uh, yes, yes. This system of living by the law has failed. It's failed. That's what Paul is saying. If they are still resting on the law, if they're still trusting in that to be their salvation, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble. It has failed. They have not kept the Torah. N.T. Wright puts it this way. He says, his point, Paul's point, is that the national boast of ethnic Israel, that of being the creator's chosen people, is falsified if theft, adultery, and so forth are found within the nation. The presence of misbehavior within ethnic Israel renders void the national ethnic boast. It prevents Israel from fulfilling its calling to be the light of the world. If there is one thing, one thing to walk out of here with, it would be this, that no system will save you. No religion will save you. God alone, through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us, is the only thing that can save us. If there was anyone who could be saved by a system, it was these Jews. I mean, they had everything. They had God's promise. They had his blessing. They were chosen by him. They had the law, the wonderful, beautiful law that was just absolutely amazing. If anyone could have been saved, it was them. And Paul says, no, it wasn't enough. It was not enough. So, the slightly awkward question for today, um, we as Christians now, you know, Christians, so different than those people back then, um, is everything that we do in the name of faith done so that we know God more? Or does living out faith become a system for us that we trust in more than God? I haven't been here in three years, so I, I wish I could have sat down with all of you and really talked and caught up before standing up here. But um, 
I, I know for me, if anyone is qualified to stand up here to be a good Christian to any of that, it would be me. I grew up in the church. I, you know, my mom, she led worship. My dad was an elder. They were very involved in the church. I was, I went to two youth groups in high school. I was that amazing. Um, I, I've been going to churches. I've lived kind of all over the place, and I've been going to churches all over the place from many, many, many different uh, traditions and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, so I feel fairly qualified to say that um, we American Christians, we're really good at doing stuff. We are really, really, really good at putting on programs and running Bible studies and just doing a lot of stuff related to our faith. We're great at it. And I am, too. I'm really good at it. Um, I've, I've gone to all these churches. I go to a church now I'm very busy at. I spend all day Sunday from 7 a.m. until 9 p.m. I'm there at various meetings and all kinds of stuff. I am really, really, really good at doing stuff to live out my faith. I'm great at it. I got that action part. All I'm down with that. But that isn't going to save me. That is not going to save me. And if it's just about going through the motions of my religion, then I've completely missed the point. I have missed the point. And there are days when it's so busy that I do miss the point, when I forget that it is about God and about him and me just wanting more of him, desperately needing more of him. I don't know about you guys, but but I'm sunk on my own. And this whole Christianity thing, I love it. I absolutely love it. But without the God part in it, I'm in trouble. I'm really in trouble. And the problem is, the problem for me at least, is that it is far easier for me to do a bunch of stuff than it is for me to actually be in relationship with a living God. It's really, really hard to be in relationship with the living God. For one thing, I can't see him. I can't see him, so that's tough. Um, For another, he is completely holy. That makes me feel kind of uncomfortable most of the time because I am not completely holy. Uh, I kind of sin all the time. And so it's kind of awkward being in his presence and being reminded of the fact that I'm not good enough on my own. It's hard to prioritize when there's so many things to do and I'm so good at doing things. It's hard to make a priority of pursuing God relationally. And so there's all of these reasons, all of these things I can come up with, all of these excuses that make it say, oh, I'm doing all of what I should be doing. I'm, I'm walking in my faith. I'm, I'm, you know, went to church three times this week for, you know, all these various programs and activities. It's really easy for me to be living in that instead of living in relationship with God. Paul, uh, I'll finish with this. Uh, Paul kind of talks about this a little bit more in Philippians, actually. Um, In Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read from the message. So I think think this version kind of says it all pretty well. So he starts out by saying, You know my pedigree. 
a legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender from, of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. He's saying, I had it all. If, if there was a system and you know Judaism was the system, I'm all set. I have all those things taken care of for me. I mean, I am... I'm Jewish, so I can stand up here. I am a really good Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time, so I can stand up here. I have all of these requirements. But he turns and he says, the credential, the very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash. It doesn't matter that I've been a Christian my whole life. It doesn't matter that I do a bunch of stuff for the church. It doesn't matter that I'm Jewish. None of that matters. Along with everything else, I'm throwing all that in the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus is my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. He actually uses a word that's a little more strong than dog dung, but we won't go there. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I don't want any of these things that build me up. I don't want any of these systems that I've lived by. I don't want any of these credentials that I could take pride in. I don't want any of that because I want Christ. I want that. That's it for me. I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Jesus Christ is the only thing that can save us. Let me pray. God, I... I don't want to be trapped by any of my systems. I don't want to be trapped by any of my pride. God, I want to give it all up to you. I want to consider it all worthless because knowing you is so amazing and so great, and you've done so much for me. God, I I pray for... I pray for me. I pray for everyone here that if there is anything in the way of us knowing you more, if, if it's anything, if it's religion, if it's doing a bunch of stuff, if it's busyness, if it's anything, that we will just get rid of it, that we will throw it out, that we will be done with it. God, we want you. You are the only, the only thing that could possibly save us. You are our only hope. Please help us to know you more. Help us to pursue you more. In your name, amen. So we uh, finish our time together.